As I said in the welcome, we are going to be looking at this morning the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24. And as a, as a practice to, to start applying this uh, verse to our memory, we are going to go ahead and say it through a few times. We're going to put it up on the board here. And it's there in all of its glory, and then we will uh, go through it again two times, taking away a few words at a time. So uh, try to go ahead and say this with me. Just read it off the board up here. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. All right, now, for me, one of the struggles I'm tripping over and I'm working on is uh, come into has passed. You know, we're changing tenses there. That, that confuses me. So, uh, so I have to go really slow around that point to make sure I get the words right. So let's say this again. We've taken away a few of the words. Hopefully there are enough there that we'll still remember be able to say it, and uh, let's just fill in the blanks as, blanks as we go. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. All right, one more time. Here we go. Let's see how we do, all right? John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. All right, amen. Good job. You're all done. That's a toughie. This one, this one's a toughie. I, I will give you some. We've done longer ones and, and multiple verses, and I don't know that they're as tough as this one has been for me. Maybe it's just uh, my brain is getting full, you know, and it's time to start jettisoning some stuff. But we are looking this morning at John chapter five, verse twenty-four, and specifically this idea to believe. He who believes, him who sent me. Is, is right there in the middle of this verse. And that's, that's our focus. We have been journeying to the cross by looking first at uh, you know, Micah 6.8 and, and he has told us what to do and it's evident in our lives. But Isaiah 53.6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We, we go our own way. But thanks be to God that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us, John 3, 16. And then we, we see last week in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. But why do we get to that position? It, it's not just the, the confessing, although that's important. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous. But why do we confess our sins? Why do we get to that point? You know, the... The Israelites, in the Roman times, when Jesus showed up, there was a, a, a hunger, a desire to have the Messiah show up. There were people who were actively looking for the Messiah. There were several people over the years who had stood up and said, 
I'm the Messiah, come follow me. In fact, this was one of those things that happened when Jesus showed up. You, you can understand the, the rulers, the leaders were sitting there saying, oh no, another one. In fact, in Acts, that, that was one of the things that the, uh, the Pharisees, they deliberated about. And one of them, he stood up and said, look, we've had a lot of messiahs come and go. If, if the guy these guys are proclaiming, if Jesus was not the messiah, the, the movement will die out. They always do. But if he was the Messiah, then we'll find ourselves fighting against God. I don't want to be in that position. It was something that happened a lot because the people of Israel were under bondage in their own home, in their own land. They had had people come in from another land and take over and rule over them, the Romans. First it was the Greeks and then the Romans took over from the Greeks and just laid their empire over the Greek empire. And the Israelites living with another nation in charge of them, having to be second-class citizens in their own land, desperately wanted a Messiah to show up because they believed the Messiah was going to get rid of the Romans. They were in a spot and they knew it and they needed supernatural help. They needed the Messiah. The only problem for them is that when the Messiah did show up, he didn't show up the way they expected him to. He didn't show up as the one who was going to, to defeat the Romans and, and be a great military power. He showed up as some obscure day laborer from a little backwater town in the sticks. And he didn't teach, come and gather around, let's defeat the Romans. He taught, love your enemy as yourself. He said, you need to believe in me. And that went against the religious people and that went against those that wanted to see a political power kick out the Romans. The struggle was, as he entered into Jerusalem, was a whole bunch of people had a bunch of ideas of what he was going to do. And it didn't matter what he said. They didn't listen to him. They had preconceived notions of what he was supposed to do. And when he didn't do those things, they got angry with him. And when he continued to push his I am God, the religious leaders got angry with him and they wanted to get rid of him. This verse is very closely tied to this idea as we're coming to the cross. Jesus, and within where it's in, in chapter 5, chapter 5 of the Gospel of John is when Jesus has seen a man who has been ill for 38 years and he's lying on a mat and he's been wanting to get into this pool to be healed and he hasn't been able to make it. And Jesus says to him, pick up your mat, walk, you know, get up and go home. Now, Jesus happened to do this on the Sabbath, which was the Jewish Sunday. You know. It was the day that was reserved for the Lord. You weren't supposed to work. And so uh, a man who lived on a pallet wasn't supposed to pick up that pallet. He wasn't supposed to walk with it. And so he got in trouble, and then he got Jesus into trouble for it with the religious leaders. And Jesus' argument was, well, God's still working today, and he's my father. And if he's working, then I'm working, and I have authority over the Sabbath. And they didn't like that. And Jesus told them several times, he said, look, there's, there's two witnesses, me and my father, and they didn't like that because he was equating himself to be equal with God and that he was equating himself to be God. And that's where we 
catch this, what he is saying to them in verse 24, where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. He who hears my words and believes him who sent me. Now, the, the, the problem there is, is that he was the only one talking. You didn't have God showing up. You know, some people, sometimes they want to see God just show up and do stuff or say things and make it apparent to them. Well, Jesus was sitting there saying, I testify and my Father in heaven testifies. But if we're going to be honest, we didn't see God talking. God didn't show up and say, yeah, this is it. Except for, you know, when he did say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. But not in the way these people would have liked to have seen it. What Jesus is saying here, though, notice it's he who hears my word and believes him who sent me. You know, usually we would say he who hears what I say and believes me, right? But see, that's where Jesus is equating himself with God. He's saying God the Father and I are one. And if you hear Jesus' word, well, you've actually heard God's word. And if you believe what Jesus is saying... Well, you actually believe his Father. And that's what he's saying here when he says, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, what he's saying is is to believe Jesus is to believe God the Father. That if we hear what Jesus says, we're hearing what God the Father has said. And if we believe what Jesus says, we believe God the Father. In fact, right before in verse 23, he had said, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Earlier on, he says, I do nothing of my own. I don't do anything except for what I see the Father doing. And and he's continually hitting this note because to believe Jesus is to believe God the Father. In fact, in, in John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says a similar idea, but now he's not talking about actions, but actually his words. I did not speak on my own initiative. But the Father who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Jesus doesn't say anything other than what God the Father has said. We see this, we've been looking at John uh, for the better part of this, well, I guess this school year kind of. We started in about September and we've been going strong. And throughout John is this idea Jesus says what God has told him to say. Jesus does what he has seen God do, the Father. To believe Jesus is to believe God the Father. And here's the funny thing. he, He says, I did not speak on my own initiative. But even in this case, in John chapter 12, Jesus is the one speaking. He is the one who is saying, my Father has given me a commandment as to what to say and to speak. You still have to believe his words. You still have to believe him. He is the one speaking, and we have to take him at his word. When Jesus says, if you don't believe me, you don't believe the Father, it's Jesus speaking. When he says there are two witnesses, myself and the Father, he's still the one speaking. At some point, we have to trust what Jesus says. And and in in John 5, 24 there, notice what he says. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. We have to trust what Jesus says. At some point, and now, now, uh, you know, 1 John, we looked at confess our sins. 
Why do we come to this point where we need to confess our sins? Because like the Israelites with Rome over them, we realize there's something wrong in our lives. We need help. We need help with our sins. And Jesus has spoken and he says, I am the son. I lay my my life for you. I pick my life up for you. I will give you eternal life. He says here, if you believe my words, if you hear my words and believe him who sent me, you have eternal life. The path, well, placing your trust in God's word is the path to eternal life is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do you believe God the Father? When you hear what I have said, do you believe? And we talk about trusting, uh, you know, trusting in Jesus. And you could say this counts too because, you know, Jesus is God's word, right? He is the word that became flesh. But it's more than that. All of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, at some point took Jesus at his word. And if if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, at some point, you're going to have to wrestle with the question of, do I trust what he said? Do I take him at his word? Faith in God, we often, I guess that's what I was wanting to say earlier, is that we often focus on faith in God, you know, placing our trust in God. But Jesus is saying here, he who hears my word, do do you believe what I have said? Do you trust what I have said? We have to believe his word because, quite frankly, his promises have not been shown as to be evident to us yet. We have to believe the word. We have to believe that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus was born to a virgin named Mary and that he lived a perfect life and that he never sinned and he offered himself up as a sacrifice on behalf of the world and that he was taken to the cross and nailed to the cross and died on the cross and that he was buried But three days later, he rose again. None of us are eyewitnesses. Nobody can go and say, I know that there are are touristy things in Jerusalem, but nobody can go and say, this is where it happened. This is where this happened. We know it all. No. You know, because the disciples never went back to the tomb. It didn't matter. Jesus had risen. It was now just an empty hole in the ground. They didn't commemorate. They didn't hold on to it. That happened hundreds of years later. We have to take them at their word. We have to place our trust in God's word. And Jesus says that is the path to eternal life. I think of Abraham. You know, Romans tells us uh, that uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Well, because when that verse in Genesis happened, Abraham had been in the land of Canaan for about 10 years and didn't have a son yet. And and God told him, look around at the sand. Your descendants will be more numerous than the sand. Look up and you see all these stars. And they didn't have light pollution. There were a lot of stars. Do you see all these stars? Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And And Abraham believed God. What did he believe? He believed what God said. He believed what God told him. He believed God's word. You know what happened right after that? Sarah comes and gives him her maid, Hagar, and he has a son, Ishmael, with her. 
but that's not the son of the promise. That's not what God meant. No. 14 years later, Abraham had to wait 14 to 15 to 16, somewhere in that ballpark, that many years after God had promised him and after he believed. Can you imagine all those years of wondering, was God true in what he had said? Was God going to fulfill what he said? If you've ever been waiting for something and you've been needing God to provide for you, I'm sure you have felt a year is too long to wait. Two days is too long to wait when you want God to provide, right? Can you imagine 15, 16 years of waiting for that child? And Abraham, when he began that journey, he was too old to have kids. Now, when he actually has a son, he's a 99 years old. He had to wait so long. But Scripture says that Abraham believed God. He believed God's Word. And and that's what ultimately we are called to do. We believe in Jesus, yes. We believe in God, yes. But we're trusting His Word. We're trusting that this isn't all a lie. We're trusting that this isn't all made up. We're trusting that He is actually going to fulfill what He has done. We are trusting that on that day when we take our last breath, when we're really not sure what comes next, we're trusting that He will save us. That He will not consign us to judgment and to destruction, but that He will save us and bring us to eternal life. And that's what Jesus is saying here is, He who believes in Him who sent Me, He who hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me, has eternal life. Not will get. Has. We have it already. It's believing in His Word. And another place where this contrast comes out very clearly is in the first chapter of Luke. You've got Zacharias and you've got Mary. Both of them have an angel messenger. The same angel messenger. The angel messenger tells them both completely ludicrous ideas. To Zacharias, you will have a son. He's old. His wife is old. They can't have kids. They never had kids. You will have a son. To Mary, you will have a son. The difference here, though, is your son will be uh, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Zacharias' question to the angel is, how will I know? How will I know that your words are true? Mary's question to the angel is, how can this be? I'm a virgin. How can I have a child? I'm not even married yet. Her question isn't, how can I know for certain? Her question is, how can that be? I'm a little confused. And that's when the angel says, oh, well, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll conceive. Zechariah says, how can I, how how will I know? How will I know? And the angel's answer isn't, oh, good news. No, it's, oh, well, I'm Gabriel. I happen to stand in the presence of God. And I imagine Gabriel in that moment was in the presence of God. and, And he was the one splitting you know, the, 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 the realm, you might say, and he was appearing on earth, but he can, he's there with God in his, in his supernatural life. He says, I, I stand before God, and you're not going to talk again until these things happen. That's how you can know, pal. You don't want to trust my word for it? You can just be a mute until these things come true. Then you'll know. 
And sure enough, Zacharias walked out and he couldn't speak. And he didn't speak again until he said his name is John when he named his son. Zacharias did not trust the word of God given to him through Gabriel. Mary trusted the word. She just didn't understand how it could possibly happen. But she trusted the word. We are called upon to trust his word. And he says that if we believe him who sent him, we have eternal life. What's the, what happens after this? Notice that if you have eternal life, now we move into a future-looking idea. We have it. If we, if we hear His Word and we believe Him who sent us Him, we have eternal life. If you, if you hear Jesus' Word and you believe God, if you believe the Word, if you trust in the Word that He has said, you have eternal life. You might not feel like it right now, but you have it. But then there's a future element to this. And does not come into judgment. Why? Notice it's past tense again. But has passed out of death into life. If, if we have eternal life, we have passed out of death into life. And we are not going to come into judgment. What does that tell us about those who hear the Word of God and don't believe? What does that tell us about those who don't hear the Word of God and don't believe? Those who don't believe. Well, if we have, by believing, have come out of death, that tells us that those who don't hear the Word of God or who've heard it and don't believe it are in death. It's a living, breathing death. But not only that, that's the present condition, but not only that, they're moving to, they're, they're walking to, they're going to come into judgment. See, if you, if you believe, you're taken out of judgment. You don't come into it. But if we don't believe, if we don't believe, then we're dead. And, and we're headed to, for judgment. We're going to come into it. And, and what Scripture tells us is, is that uh, everyone, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone, even though we might be full of life and full of joy and full of excitement, if we don't hear God's word and believe Him who's, and believe God, and we don't trust His word, we're, we're continuing in that death. And, and what Scripture tells us is that the whole world, that is the condition of the whole world. Those who are outside of faith in Jesus Christ, the world is dead and headed for judgment. That is what Scripture over and over and over tells us is the natural condition of all the people around us. They look like they're having fun, right? And I'm not just talking about social media fun, you know, TikTok, Twitter, or, or Facebook, where everybody kind of elevates the good and hides the bad, right? And you can put filters on to make everything look better. They might look like they're alive. But if you've ever spent 10, 20 minutes on Facebook, don't you start feeling a little dead inside? I don't know about it. I start feeling dead inside. I'm like, i got to get off of this thing. This is killing me, right? It's death. All the excitement, all the joy, all the good news that people have that is without Christ in it. It's death. And they're headed to judgment. That, that's what we have to infer if when we believe in Jesus and we receive eternal life, we don't go into judgment, but have passed out of death into life. 
That means that when, whenever you accepted Jesus Christ, you went from being a dead person, even though you probably felt full of life, you were dead in your sins, you were dead because you were walking and living without God in your life. When you believe in Jesus, you walk out of death into life. And I know people who've felt that experience. I know in my life when I finally got to the point where I, uh, I wouldn't say I accepted Jesus, I just told God I quit I've been doing it my own way, and it's yours. You can have my life if you want it. And I went to bed. But I remember when I woke up the next morning, and the air was different. The world was different. My eyes seemed to perceive everything in a different way. And I remember it wasn't just a spiritual thing. It was a physical. My life for the first time was different. The Holy Spirit was now in me. And I knew, you know, as a kid, I'd, I'd ex- tried to ask God to save me several times. Even as a young adult, I would ask God, you know, and it never quite was right because I never was quite right. I heard the word, but I didn't really believe. That's what we're called to do, to believe and to pass out of death into life. And the whole world, you know, you think about Palm Sunday and all those people celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, and they didn't have a clue. They didn't understand. And I, I look at our world today, and there's a lot of celebrating going on, isn't there? We're celebrating our differences, and we're celebrating all the things that are unique about me. And unfortunately, generally what we're celebrating is our own wickedness. But we celebrate it. And we're all so happy in our wickedness. And, and today, we don't want to talk about sin. The only real sin our culture has right now is if you're not true to yourself. That's the worst thing you can do according to our culture. I'm not talking about according to the Word of God. I'm talking about according to our, our cultural speak, our, our, our cultural agreement as, as society. The worst thing you can do to somebody is to say, you really need to, to not give in to those things. No, the the worst sin in today's viewpoint is to not be fully whoever you're feeling like you are. For somebody to to come and say, no, I think you're wrong about yourself. Oh, for shame. How dare you tell somebody that they might have a wrong opinion about themselves. No, whatever I think about myself is true, right? But that's not what Scripture says. And and everybody who has ever come to faith in Jesus Christ has dealt with this fact that we might have thought we were okay. Jesus told us we weren't, and we had to get to grips with the fact, no, Jesus is right. I'm a sinner. Jesus is right. I'm a mean person. Jesus is right. I'm selfish. Jesus is right. I really don't care about other people unless it's what I can get from them. Jesus is right. I really want to just enjoy things and not pay for them. Jesus is right, and I'm wrong, and the way I live my life is wrong, and for me to become right, I need to believe in Jesus and start letting him live through me. That's the gospel message. It's the good news of how we pass out of death into life, and and we live in a society that would say, no, you're happy, you're fine, you're good in death, don't worry about it. And we need to remember as Jesus joyously entered into Jerusalem and everybody was so happy, he knew where he was headed. He had a purpose for where he was headed. He was headed to death on a cross for our sins. But there's a whole bunch of people having parades and celebrating and having a grand old time and they are, they are so happy and they don't realize that they are headed towards death. 
One way I, I think about this often, there was a wonderful movie in 1993 that came out called Searching for Bobby Fischer. It's a, it's a, a, a chess movie, you know, lots of really riveting action. Uh, but in this movie, there's a chess prodigy. His name is Josh, and he's going up against another chess prodigy, and he doesn't know if he can beat the kid, and he's worried about it. And, and in the last game, the last match of um, the movie, the other kid makes a mistake. He, he moves a piece in a place that doesn't feel right, and, and Josh looks at it, and he looks at it, and he finally figures out 12 moves. That kid is 12 moves away from being checkmated. But Josh, he really feels bad about the kids he plays. In fact, one time he threw a game because he was just getting tired of all the competitiveness. So he offers the boy a draw. He puts out his hand, and the kid's like, what are you doing? He says, I'm offering you a draw. I'll share the championship with you. And the, the other kid, he's like, why would I do that? I'm going to win. And Josh says, no, you've lost. You just can't see it yet. Take the draw. And the kid says, look at the board. Look at the board. That's what he's doing in this picture right now. He's kind of doing like, look at the board. I'm in a position of strength. I'm doing great. You're the one on your heels. I'm winning. And Josh says, no, you've already lost. Take the draw. He's offering him life. He's offering him friendship. And the kid says, move. And sure enough, 12 moves is pretty fun to watch. I've even watched diagrams of the pieces moving. You know, that's how, that's how cool I am. But it's a really cool ending to a chess game. And I think of our world as, as this little boy. Looking at the board, I'm living great. I'm living so fantastic. I am winning. You know, it's, it's old, but wasn't it Charlie Sheen who was always winning? I don't know how well he's doing these days, but he was always winning, right? The world thinks it's winning. Some even promise us that we'll get sick of all the winning. We'll be tired of winning. They think they're winning so much. They don't see it. They can't see it. No. You've already lost. You've already lost. The board, I see the board, and I know the pieces, and I know the movements. You've already lost. Jesus knows the ending. He went to the cross, scorning its shame for the glory set before Him that would come after the cross. He was able to go to the cross because He knew what came after. He was able to endure the cross because He knew what came after. And he knows what comes after. And what he tells us is that the, the world is dead and it's headed to judgment. And we can sit here and think we're doing great all we want. He's seen the end. He knows the end. Take the draw. Take the salvation that's being offered. Because that's really what a draw is. That's him refusing to destroy and him dying to himself. And I will share it with you. I will share life with you if you'll believe in me. But for those of us that believe, while death and, and judgment are to come, eternal life is already here. And we have already moved out of death into life if we believe. Last thing I want to look at here, kind of go back to the very beginning. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. We need to believe in God, but how do we believe unless we hear? We need to believe and trust in his word, but how do we, how do we trust in his word unless we hear? How do we trust his word unless we hear? Romans 10, 14 tells us, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they believe unless they hear? How can they hear without a preacher? Now, that doesn't mean that because I'm a pastor and I go by a title of preacher too, that, that it's all on people in positions like me. No, a preacher is somebody who proclaims. How will they hear without there being somebody who will proclaim? See, Jesus' word was written down years ago, and we share it. We carry it on. We pass it down. I don't get to hear what Jesus said. He went to heaven a long time before I was born. I don't get to hear how he said it. You know, his disciples knew how he inflected his voice. They, 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 they could hear an accent. We don't know any of those things. We make all those things up. But I hear his word through other people. I hear his word passed down through the scriptures and I hear his word in the people around me and the people who shared Jesus with me and the people who called me to repentance. I've heard his word. And that's how they will believe when they have heard and how do they hear that somebody would proclaim it to them. It is left for us to share Jesus' word. It is left for each one of us How will they hear unless there is someone to proclaim? You know, think of the world around you. Whether it's people at work, whether it's your family, whether it's friends, neighbors, how will they hear? We've been told that we need to hear his word and believe him who sent. Well, how can they believe in God the Father if they've never heard the word? And maybe they've heard certain things, but they haven't heard the truth. And they're going off their life believing all sorts of lies. They haven't heard the truth. And what does it say about us if we kind of just sit back and let them go? The world is dead and headed towards judgment. It is not on us to save them. We don't have the capacity or the capability to save them. But it is on us. It is left for us to share Jesus' word. Whether somebody believes is up to them. But whether or not we have shared is up to us. Have we shared his word? Do we, do we share, and, and it doesn't have to be set them down and preach to them? Are we hungry to be able to share his word? Do we desire, do we think about and look for the opportunities, knowing somebody doesn't know Jesus? Do we say, oh Lord, give me the opportunity. Help me to figure out a good angle of, of a, I hate to say attack, but a, you know, a way to get in. You know, some people it might be family, other people it might be jobs, other people it might be their, their health, and their, their, but there are going to be avenues of approach where we can engage with individuals and share God's word with them, to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. You know, we just saw where Jesus, on Wednesday nights, Jesus was sharing how uh, he was going to leave his disciples and, and the Holy Spirit was going to come. 
And he said, it's to your benefit that I leave so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, can come. Because Jesus only had so much reach. He is, a, um, he is God in the flesh, but because he is in the flesh, he is not able to go everywhere. He has given up that, that ability so that he might save us. But the Holy Spirit is spirit, and the Holy Spirit goes everywhere. The world is full of the Spirit of the Lord. And every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And so, much like Jesus said, look, it's to, my be- it's to your benefit that I leave. In the same way, we can't rely upon one individual or one group or the evangelists in the world to share the gospel. They can't be everywhere, and they can't talk to everybody. And there's no requirement for you to share the gospel with the whole world. You can't be everywhere, and you can't talk to everybody. But the world around us, our our family, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, that's the world. And if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, if they don't believe God, they're headed to judgment. And they're living in death. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do we love those around us? Do we love our family or our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers enough to look for the opportunity? I'm not talking about to be jerks about it. I've known people like that. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. And not every time and every place is a time to try to share the gospel with somebody to get them saved. But we can always be looking for the opportunity. We can always be praying for the opportunity. And we can always be hoping that our example and how we live is enough that they might be curious But are we looking for, do we want that and the opportunity? Do we care enough about them to have them think we're a little bit odd? Do we care enough about them for them to to accept that they might not like us because of it? Are we willing to share the word of Jesus? I want to invite us, and, and I'm talking to myself in this a lot. Do we love them enough? To share. Jesus has told us, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Do we care enough about them that we would like to see them to not come into judgment, but to pass out of death into life? I want to invite you this morning to consider and to think and to pray and, and seek to have the opportunity, if you know Jesus Christ, to share his word with those around you. Because this, this is our part. That we might save them from, their, from the inevitable that is already there. If they don't turn. Let's, let's say this verse again one last time together, shall we? John 5, 24. Truly, truly... I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we hear your word. We have heard it and we hear it again. And Lord, we trust your word. We thank you that you have given us eternal life. We thank you that we have passed out of death into that life. 
We don't have it fully yet. We haven't experienced death to experience not dying. We haven't been brought before the throne of judgment to experience being saved from that judgment, but we believe Your Word. We trust in Your Word that You are good, that You are true. And we live based on Your Word. Man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, we, we live on Your Word and by Your Word. And we pray that You would help us to trust You more. In those areas where we struggle to believe, help us to trust You. Even if we struggle, Lord, overcome our unbelief, we pray. We pray, Lord, for anybody here today who does not believe in Jesus Christ, who has not placed their faith in Him. I pray, Lord, that they would hear that no matter how good they are, no matter how nice they are, I pray that You would make it evident to them in their heart that there is sin there and it has cut them off from You. And if they, they don't do something about it, they are going to go to death and judgment. Pray, Father, that we would recognize there is nothing we can do about it unless we come and confess our sins to You. Believing that You will forgive us. Believing that You will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, may we trust Your Word that You are good. And that when You say You will save us, You will. And we pray, Lord, for those that are in that place that they would hear Your Holy Spirit calling. That they would respond and believe. We pray, Father, for us as believers this morning. We all have people in our lives. We don't know where they're, how they're going. We know that they don't seem to be too serious about you. They might be nice people. They might go and do good things, but they're not living based on you. Father, help us to not get caught up in the attitude of the age which says, you do you, let me do me that we would care about them, that we would love them enough, that we would proclaim Jesus' words to them. Give us opportunity, we pray, Father. Give us guidance in doing it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.